Welcome to the Redacted Culture Cast. If you are listening on the podcast, you will notice that there's some background noise. Today, we are recording from New Orleans, the town that is trying to recover perpetually from Mardi Gras. I have never been, uh, but yeah, I'm, there's still remnants of, we're out here traveling, and there's still remnants of Mardi Gras to be found in the gutters, I guess. It, can't, it happened a couple weeks before we got here, but... Thank you for listening. The microphone that I'm using is going to sound a little bit different. It was it was sent to us by one of you listeners, and so I'm not going to dox you. Thank you very much. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice the background is a bit different. We are enjoying the weather on what you might call a vacation. It's probably not. But the topic of today's culture cast, the topic of today's redacted culture cast, is the rising kind of uncomfortable question of who is allowed in gun culture or maybe who is gun culture for uh and, and i'm going to draw on a couple of conversations that we've had in the past but then also i think this is an example where phrasing the question for i'm sorry framing the question uh the framing of the question actually attempts to answer it itself it's a it's, it's a good question to ask but it, it's a good question to ask because it, it also helps us consider how we think about other things like authority, uh, community participation, tribes, so on and so forth. But yes, the, the, the question of the day is who is allowed and who is or is not allowed in gun culture? Before we get started, it, while this is happening, we do have a skate deck that is available for pre-order in conjunction with Orion Training Group. And the proceeds of which are going to the Firearms Policy Coalition, who at this time is still putting together a an aggressive and encouraging um, uh, push against the brace ruling. We're really hoping that as a result of the ATFs overstepping their bounds, we see things like SBRs get taken off of the NFA list. That being the case, that's that pre-order is available when this on the day that this is going live. It'll be available for another week in the beginning of March. Those, it's a pre-order. We'll deliver those later in March as soon as they get shipped over. We will should be able to see a couple versions of it, or not a couple versions. We're going to have our own one in hand here pretty soon. Very, We're definitely looking forward to it. That's us, Orion Trading Group, made by Raid Skateboards, and we're looking forward to that. So right into the topic. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. <clears throat> the question of who is allowed in gun culture was kind of brought to the attention or brought to the forefront of this sort of social sphere uh, when admin results got doxxed. I think that was the most recent event which brought this question into sort of the, 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 into the chat, as you say. And uh, like many things that we engage with, how we answer the question is oftentimes sort of, or how we answer the question will be constrained by how we frame the question and how we frame the question oftentimes reveals more about what we think or our assumptions than actually answering the question does an example of this are and how that works within this question of who is available in or who is allowed in gun culture and who is not uh can be it, it sort of reveals itself um by even asking the question if i can ask the question of who is allowed into gun culture and who is not i must begin with the assumption that it is a thing it is a, an, a, a, maybe it's an abstract object. It's a club of sorts, which has a roster. Uh, it has an in-group versus out-group potential or possibility. Is that true or is that not true is kind of the first question. 
So how we begin to answer, how I think we should answer the question of who is or is not allowed in gun culture will be a little bit, well, we'll I think the best way we can answer that question is by considering how we describe the thing, how we describe it, not prescribe it. Describing it is, you know, there's a there's a, another healthy distinction to keep in your your pocketbook, and that is the distinction between a prescription and a description. It's sort of similar between correlation and causation, but it's not as cringy. It's a little bit more specific. And the the difference between a description and a prescription, in this case, or not in this case, but in another example, would be what people refer to as sort of like profiling or um, making observations about the world. When I see something. Let's just say, um, you know, what is it like? Uh, red cars tend it, it uh, of the cars that were pulled over in two thousand and twenty that were speeding in egregious speeds. Twenty five percent of them were red, but uh, all the other colors that were available, or maybe let's just say fifty percent of cars that were pulled over when speeding were red. Um, <clears throat> for speeding, you know, over a hundred miles an hour. Let me rephrase the question. In, this is all hypothetical information, but um, as an example, in a metaphor, in the year 2020, 50% of, of the cars that were pulled over uh, uh, and the drivers arrested for speeding over 100 miles an hour were red. Of the remaining 50%, it was an even non, non-valuable you know, dis- dispersion between the other colors, but 50% of the cars were red. Now, in a descriptive sense, I would say that of the cars that were pulled over, 50% of them were red. And that, that, is, that is describing a fact that happens. It's, it's, it's describing the fact that there were so many cars that, did a th- that were pulled over for speeding over 100 miles an hour. 50% of them were red. A prescriptive thing would say something like it was because they were red that they were speeding. A prescriptive sense claims that a, a, in a in one of the the, the important use of the, the distinction between a prescription and a description is often kind of times can look like in profiling is that uh, you we're going to go back to the cars here you know 50% of cars that are pulled over for speeding are red that's descriptive and so uh, the in other words the the things that the, the the cars that were pulled over were pulled over because they were speeding not because they were red However, a prescriptive assumption would say that there's something about them being red has to do with them being pulled over. And it might be because red cars are more attractive to people who like to speed or because red is more easy to notice or because the eye is, a, you know, the eye quickly sees red. It's, it's, it's got a certain notion to it. But what we're doing is we're distinguishing between prescription, which is saying there's something about being red that, that makes the car go fast versus description is of the cars that are pulled over, a certain percentage of them are red. Maybe a majority of them are red or something. And so, so it's, it's a distinction that's important, especially when you look at like human profiling uh, or threat, you know, determining threats is like, well, you know, people who dress a certain way tend to be, ten, you know, there are of the people who commit a certain crime, they tend to dress a certain way. Is it the way that they dress that makes them commit the crime? That would be a prescription, whereas, it's there's a correlation between certain social factors and certain crimes. And that's just how you'd have to describe it. 
So this uh, this has to go back to gun culture because and why are we asking the question of of who is and isn't allowed into gun culture? I think the first thing that everyone within gun culture can say, I think most of us will say, is that it's that it, the any way that we have that we have to answer this question is non-authoritarian. That means that there is no council, there is no group of people who get to determine who is or is not in gun culture. And this begins to point out a problem that we have with allowing our questions to be framed by people who don't, um, who don't hold the same values as us. The very idea that you could, that some group of people who could come together and determine who is and is not in gun culture, does not have access to the second amendment is very, is by definition antithetical to this idea that we have, that we believe in, which is the right to bear arms. In other words, and I need to be very clear on it, gun culture is separate from the second amendment. What we're referring to as gun culture might, or is, is what we refer to as gun culture separate to the second amendment. Does somebody have a right to have a position or a participation within gun culture? And maybe that answer is no, but being a part of gun culture is different than having access to the second amendment or having not access is not the right even word, having the right to bear arms. <clears throat> you see where I'm, I, I hope, I hope I'm, I'm exploring this in a clear enough way to communicate a little bit on how the question itself could itself be the problem. If we ask ourselves the question, who is or is not in gun culture, what are we referring to first? Are we referring to is gun culture the same thing as the right to bear arms? We would naturally say no. And because of that, we can say, and because of that, though, we want to look at the virtue of, the, not the virtue, but we want to, a principle within the Second Amendment is human right. You have a right. Uh, is that same right applied to gun culture? Sometimes the, we might say the answer is yes. We might say the answer is no. It's, 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 that's, that's how we want to answer that question. So moving on, I'll let the bus drive by for something adventures go swan. Okay, we're going to let that pass. At least the people playing the loud music haven't uh, come down the road yet. So, uh, but yeah. So the first question, let, let's go back to, let, you know, coming back to the start. First question is, what do we mean by who is and is not allowed in gun culture? Gun One, gun culture is distinct from the Second Amendment. We can make that clear. Two, what is gun culture? Is it a community? Is it a club? Is it a tribe? Is it a fashion sense? Is it a trend? Is it a, what are, what are we referring to? Is it is it a culture? Is it like, you know, the Roman culture? Is it like Americana culture? I think that you could make an argument that gun culture, Amer Americana, America has a unique approach to gun culture, semi-unique, but it has a very assertive approach to it being it is enshrined in our constitution, but that's not the same thing. The constitution does not, the constitution does not guarantee the success and health of the gun culture. It just tries to argue that the right to bear arms will not be infringed. And then, well, if the people don't care, then they do it anyway, which is kind of where we're at. Great. Thanks. <clears throat> but this is this this then goes how do we describe gun culture and i tend to think that gun culture exists in a sense of tribes circles groups of people communities neighborhoods families friendships community interests 
uh, that that have overlap with others. We you know we have kind of the big tent of gun culture itself, and then inside that tent you have multiple little camps, S similar to kind of how uh, not even well evangelical or Protestant theology, Protestant um, Christianity has different um, denominations inside. And yeah, sure, there's conflicts between those two, but generally speaking, it's it's, it's this is a descriptor, not a prescriptor again. So the big tent of gun culture incorporates many of these people, many of these different groups. And some of those groups are overt. They're thing, they are organizations like the NRA. The NRA is a tent within a tent. There's a whole group of people who are members of the NRA. Now, who does the NRA allow into their tent and who does the NRA not allow into their tent? It's sort of the rules of the NRA. They get to make their decisions. There are other examples of them. Some of them are overt, some of them are not. An overt example of a tent within the tents of gun culture or a community within the communities uh, of gun culture is veterans. Veterans have, there is a certain status of not, there's a status of being a veteran as in it's a statement, a person is a veteran and, and really only veterans are in veteran only groups. Okay, so these these ways are being described. We know that um, veterans don't have control over gun culture. We know that uh, the NRA doesn't have uh, a monopoly over gun culture. We know that uh, the Firearms Policy, Policy Coalition doesn't have a monopoly over gun culture. We know that uh, Garand Thumb's influence is not a monopoly over it. We have all of these different things going on, and we have all these individuals participating within gun culture. And so... Uh, the first thing we might run into is sort of the vanity of the question of who is or is not allowed into gun culture. And part of that vanity really does come on, uh, not vanity, but part of that where that starts to look like it's in vain is a recognition that there really is no um, single, uh, there is no single factor that measurable trait factor or whatever that uh, determines who is or is not in gun culture, because if you have a group that, say, is exclusive exclusionary, uh, you can just as easily start a group that is the opposite of that exclusionary. Why we haven't seen civilian-only organizations in the past is I, I don't know, but I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be beyond the possibility. And then, of course, the wind picks up. This is great. I hope you can hear me well enough. This, this uh, Sure M7 is working pretty great. It's too bad that it can't transform into an MP7, but that might be illegal where I'm at. Uh, <clears throat> so sticking to the subject material, sticking back to the question, we have, one, uh, there's a distinction between the Second Amendment and gun culture. Two, gun culture itself is a broad tent. Inside of that tent are many camps. Some of those camps have overlap. Some of them are overtly exclusive, and some of them are covertly or, or less overtly exclusive. Some of them are not exclusive at all, but people just choose not to join, and, and, and that's just kind of the way of it. Did they send a helicopter after me? Is is finance and maneuver in? Ah, we'll let it go. Um, we'll let that one go. So that being the case... <clears throat> Those are two things that we've determined. The third one and the third question then is that one is we look at the well, we look at the principles and the values that we're trying to understand. Now, I am going to say that I think that there are certain values that people within gun culture hold. They are not the only people who hold those values, but there are certain values that are distinctly apparent within gun culture. And one of them might be individual responsibility. 
this and and so gun culture any form of gun culture or any subgroup of gun culture which fundamentally denies this idea or opposes this idea that the individual has a right to bear arms and and yet is opposed to them being responsible for their actions i'm not talking about legal responsibility i'm not talking about you know um foolish activism like you know a person who defends their life should be held liable for the thing that they did I, it's, it's the kind of garbagey argument i'm i'm saying that we all we all agree generally speaking within gun culture that a person who is in gun culture should um should exhibit certain character traits one of them is individual responsibility another one is you know um non-authoritarianism is another example but I think what we can start to say is that um, I think we can start to say that there are factors which will make people be excluded from elements of gun culture. We've already we actually already see this happening. We've already seen this happen before. And, and, and I think instead of it being more of an authoritarian approach that there's somebody or some group of people who get to determine who is or is not in the group. Rather, the, uh, since there's no, there is no authority that gets to say who is or isn't within gun culture, rather gun culture broad, and then even then distinct from the Second Amendment itself, uh, inside gun culture there are camps. What that fundamentally boils down to is that we as individuals have a responsibility to pay attention to who we affiliate with. Who are our people? Who is our camp within a camp? Who is our tent within a tent? Who is our, that's, that don't take that out of context. Who is who are the people that we deliberately spend our time with? If we can, if we pay attention to who we spend our time with, that um, we have, you know, and it, if we pay attention, if we are deliberate about who we spend our time with, if we are responsible to our friends, if we commit ourselves to our community, we can hold. We we are we actually do hold each other accountable very well. We see this quite clearly. For example, stolen valor. Any time that somebody gets caught stealing valor as it's called uh usually that's that, that that usually is a death sentence of their influence within gun culture and maybe we need a road to redemption and maybe we need a path of you know a way of like figuring out some sort of non-authoritarian way of how people can come back to good graces i and that's and that's a a, a question for another time but a but what but how gun culture treats things like stolen valor is is actually actually highlights a question of who we automatically keep out of gun culture. And that would be people who do not have integrity. Now, integrity is a measurable is not is is not a is is not easily measurable. It sometimes is a thing that you know it when you see it, you know its absence when you see its absence. And there is a little bit of mud to be thrown back and forth between who does and doesn't have integrity. We like to use words like shill. We like to use words like, you know, greed and corporate and blah, 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 blah. But what all of this points to is that we actually already have certain values that we hold, generally speaking, within gun culture that inform individuals as opposed to gun culture as a whole uh, about who they do and do not affiliate with and how they who they do and do not um, kind of allow into their life into their into their influence and, and and that I think that is the best way that we can look at it and this is when we ask the question who 
is or is not allowed in gun culture, what we should be asking is we should be asking ourselves, who is it that I allow to influence me and why? And who is it or what virtues or the betrayal of virtues have I seen in certain people that that I I that have caused me or that I by which I have chosen to keep them outside of my influence? And that's kind of where I think that's where we 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 take you know this 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 principle within both gun culture and that is represented in the second amendment and we take it and we boil it back down to this idea of the individual has a right attached to that right is a responsibility there's a sense of obligation involved because i am or no it's not because but in conjunction with having a right to bear arms i, I am responsible for what i do with those arms i have a right to be in a culture maybe probably not but this is and this is this is kind of where that distinction comes up um but it how i exist within gun culture which might actually just be my culture it uh, does necessarily include the overt or implied question of who are my people and sometimes we can say our, my people are our fellow Americans. That's, that's an easy example. Sometimes we say it is the people in my neighborhood. Sometimes it's the people on my shooting team. Sometimes it's the people in my club. Sometimes it's the people in my, insert the word that you want here. And so when we encounter people in our businesses, in our communities, in our cultures, gun culture being an odd fusion of culture and corporation i mean culture and industry i guess uh which isn't really that odd it's actually quite normal <laughs> but when we look at gun culture we may not be able to say things like that person has no place here by my authority but we can say that i will not be affiliating with them i will not be participating with them i'm just going to kind of let it go um and i think that is the best I think that is the best start to how we answer that question. I think the best start to how we answer the question of who we allow in or not in gun culture is who are the people that we spend our time with, we spend our community with, we build our, you know, we who are we trying to help and and make their lives better. And people who exhibit traits like if he is dishonest, then no, you are not required to affiliate with a person who is dishonest. Now, don't dishonestly determine that people are dishonest. It, it kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. But we are not entitled. There is no entitlement to participation in gun culture. There's no entitlement to be here. But uh, so that we don't have an, we don't have an entitlement to be within gun culture. You have an entitlement to the right to bear arms. But you don't, and and even that being the case, there is no one party or person who determines who is or is not in gun culture. And so, a warning would be: don't blame gun culture as a whole for you not having a community within a community. Maybe the answer is you have to go build one. And if you don't have a place here, I guarantee you, if you don't feel like you have a place within gun culture, uh you might need to ask yourself, is it a character trait that you're exhibiting? 
and again like a really easy example is like you know again stolen valor is a really good one if you are caught committing stolen valor then you should not be surprised and you you know you should, when you are not welcome into veteran and gun culture communities does this happen very often no but we usually when it does it's very spectacularly um next when we are looking at our communities instead of only looking at gun culture as a whole we can also look at how we have our own communities in our own smaller circles as sort of participants in the body of a whole sure we all want to come together and yes gun culture can be very tribal and perhaps how we interact as tribes needs a little bit of inspection maybe you shouldn't build your identity on being a dick some people do that i don't know why uh, but, you know, the, those kind of things tend to weed them out. There is this rule of the jungle of if you are just, if you are just, um, you know, that guy, you tend to not stick around. And the long, if you look in the long line of history, um, flash in the pan participants who build their, their only position on false clout or false, you know, whatever, tend to, tend to fade rather quickly and be forgotten by history. So with that being the case, when I, in conclusion, closing in this beautiful day in New Orleans, which I'll be, we'll be back on the normal grind next week. Uh, we've, I, I, what we've tried to do here is talk about this question of who is or is not allowed in gun culture. And I think the answer is who are your friends? If you don't choose them, they'll be chosen for, for you. Probably not the way we want it to work out. We want to have some deliberation over who we allow to have influence over our lives and instead of making an authoritative statement about who other people should allow maybe we should pay attention to ourselves first that being said if you're a liar if you betray if you uh you know and now we get a correlation causation or we get prescription and description between you know like are all socialist liars and and you could go down that rabbit hole another time but rather when we uh you know when when or in in conclusion, instead of asking, and I've found this myself, instead of asking, instead of trying to sit here and go, who do I think should and shouldn't be, should or should not be within gun culture, perhaps I should be asking myself the question of who do I allow to have influence over me and who do I not? Uh, and I don't mean influence in like the influencer way. I mean like who, you know, like how do I deliberately think about, you know, my, my circle and, um, and I, I think that's where we start, is that instead of trying to fix gun culture as a whole, we start with our decentralized approach. That being the case, this has been the Redacted Culture Cast. I thank you for listening. Uh, I hope that this uh, episode is a bit of a, a breath of fresh air as we're kind of on vacation, which is supposed to be a breath of fresh air. If you are still listening and you want to support the show, you can head over to redactedculture.locals.com. That's where you get the first looks for anything that we're coming out with. And also, if you want to support the show financially through there, we do have a subscription model. It's really just to keep the show rolling. I really do appreciate those who have jumped on. Thank you very much. In addition to that, skate decks are still live. If you want to make a pre-order, you got a couple more days to do it. We want to knock that out. Uh, that's been going great. Thank you so much for what you've done so far. And then finally, uh, you know, leave a comment below. See, see what you got, and we'll talk to you soon. With that being this with that being said, we're signing off for the day.